Welcome to the Local Analog Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Welch. And today, we're talking to Benj Heisch. Benj is a wedding and elopement photographer based in the Pacific Northwest. If you've ever seen photos of a couple getting married while hiking, you've likely seen Benj's work. Benj is one of those photographers who just gives back to the community so much, and I was grateful to have the opportunity to chat with him. He cares so much about his craft and has a really unique set of gear for the type of work he does. So, thanks for tuning in and enjoy the talk. Benj? So what's been going on, man? Dude, yeah, I mean, again, what's what's not been going on? Uh, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but man, uh, we've been sort of quarantined for the last couple months. Uh, I, my name is Ben Shaisha, I'm a wedding photographer, and uh, all almost all of my weddings this year are canceled. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just the weirdest time in definitely the history of my business and probably my life, uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you shoot like, so I've mentioned this to you before, but like, I feel like you're kind of the godfather of like elopement wedding photography is, you know, especially on Instagram, you know, uh, so how does that affect elopements? Dude. I mean, so that's the thing is for me, at least I feel like the nice part is that's something I can like lean into because it's uh, something I already do a lot of. Um, and so sort of like, I mean, without getting too weird into the nitty gritty of like wedding photography and what we're all doing right now, because almost all of our weddings are canceled. Uh, the best case scenario right now for me is if a wedding uh, is postponing till next year, then if they can do some sort of elopement, um, you know, type thing this year, that is like best case scenario for sure. So um, I'm at at least like half of my weddings this year that have postponed for next year are doing some sort of like you know, small intimate wedding elopement kind of thing this year on their original dates or, you know, somewhere near it. Yeah. Um, which is really, really cool for me because then, uh, you know, I obviously love doing weddings and elopements, so I get to do both. Um, and then right. not like selfishly, but also it like can help keep the lights on and <laughs> oh, stuff rolling totally. because, um, totally. you know, like all of our all these photographers, all of us are, you know, have all these weddings booked and then boom you know, they all get wiped out and you're just going cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> because I feel like, yeah. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with all this COVID stuff, but um, I feel like a lot of people are slowly going to be able to kind of come back and, and get back to normal a little bit. Um, but since a lot of us that do big gatherings uh, as part of our job, aren't going to be able to do that for a long, long time. Uh, right. feels like a, a friend of mine was saying that they feel like we might feel like we're getting left out or like overlooked or passed by. Um, because once a lot of other people are back to work and doing normal things, we're still going to be sitting around Waiting. with all of our work canceled, you know? So yeah, it's such yeah. a weird, such a weird deal for sure. Yeah, man, that's, that's wild. Like, sorry, are you, you know, and this might get nitty gritty, but are you kind of keeping it to where, you know, you're, they're still paying when they were supposed to pay. And then even though they yeah. postponed, they still pay when they were originally scheduled. Is that so yeah, so I'm not doing it fully. I have some friends that are doing that just so they get like a full payment. Uh, but my kind of worry with that then is then I'm going to have to double up next year. Um, oh, yeah, and then yeah. even with weird things with like tax brackets and stuff, I'm going to be in a really low tax bracket this year because my income went way down. But then next year, I'm going to be making double the amount of money. Um, and so my tax uh, bracket yeah. is way up. And so the way I'm kind of doing it too, and to keep some sort of like consistent income is to um, have my clients just pay another rebooking fee. Um, that doesn't, it's not like a price increase. I'm not making them pay another retainer or anything like that, but, uh, they pay another rebooking fee, which is about the same as what a rebooking fee would be or whatever, uh, that just right. goes towards their final payment. Um, so that way, you know, like there's still money coming in. Um, and it's like, um, I'm not super good with all the legalese and everything like that, but, uh, I have, a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a lawyer friend that is, you know, helps with that kind of stuff. But at that point True. too, um, on the crazy off chance that 2021 is also crazy and they can't have their thing. Uh, those are kind of like liquid damages. And, uh, it's also like another non-refundable thing because I know a lot of people, and this is super nitty gritty, but a lot of people are just taking a full payment for the wedding that hasn't happened. And then what's going to happen is if everyone has to cancel their weddings again next year at some point, then they're going to might run into the place of needing to return that. Uh, right, right. 
Um, but I mean, the the sort of solace in all that too is I feel like um, it's awful for caterers and <laughs> venues and all these other big things that rely on it needing yeah. to be a lot of people. Um, and so for someone like me, you know, if it's a smaller gathering or something like that, like I feel like photo, video, that kind of stuff is still going to be highly, highly, highly important in that whole process right. and uh, much more likely not to be the thing that gets canceled. So. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, man, this is just a, I mean, obviously a wild, crazy, like, time. And, you know, for, for a lot of people who, like me, like I went I went completely freelance uh, a year and a half, almost two years ago. And, uh, you know, like that's, that's something that we're already pretty used to. I mean, just the uncertainty of, you know, you never know if a job is going to fall through. You never know if people are going to cancel. And, you know, for me, I, I do about 95% commercial hospitality, food photography. That's, that's yeah. kind of our, what we do, what I do. And, you know, over the years, you know, every, when you start, you kind of go all in, you, you know, you're like, oh, I'll do weddings, I'll do this, I'll do whatever, you know, that's kind of the idea. And so as I've kind of like dwindled down on weddings, uh, I still do between like five and 10 a year. Um, and it just, it's just really based on referral basis. Sure. But the last the last wedding I had was actually like the day, like two days after uh, President Trump like made it like scary for everybody because he had that talk and like everyone. Got oh sued. yeah, yeah, like the global office when they shut down yeah. travel from Britain and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that day, so I had a wedding that following weekend, or and, everywhere uh, but Britain. <laughs> right, 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 right. And uh, I had a wedding that following weekend, and dude, like 150, 175 people were there. Whoa. And uh, I was like, holy moly, like there's like germex everywhere. I'm like, dude, I'm going to yeah. get sick. Like, I'm <laughs> thankfully, thankfully I didn't. Yeah. But, you know, this is this is whole thing has just been, you know, eye opening, I think, for a lot of people to, you know, a like, don't be so um, confident that you're not going to have to make changes in your business. And, you know, you're going to have to figure out stuff because you never know what's coming your way. I mean, this is a situation that happened to the whole world. But like next year or two years or five years from now, it could be a situation that just happens to you. It's more isolated. Something can happen to you. You know, you, you just don't yeah. know. And so uh, I think it's been like a lesson in, you know, the, the practical things like, man, like I need to have a savings account. <laughs> like mm. those kinds of things. Yeah. Like, I need to have, I need to have stuff like in order, like for when this stuff happens, I need to have like a nest egg to not, you know, think that money's just always going to be there. But it's also like, you know, I need to be able to be flexible. Um, Cause like I've taken on jobs during the season that I've normally probably wouldn't have. Um, and so it's just been like a, like video jobs, you know, like I don't sure, do a lot of yeah. videos. So, um, and so it's just been like a really interesting season of life, man. Um, Absolutely. so just, just yeah. trying to, at this point, just trying to get through it. Yeah, for sure. Well, so, okay. So for me, I have categories in my mind of photographers and sure. you have like tradition, traditional Jose Villa, Villa wedding photographers. And then you have, like film photographers and then you have, you know, like landscape. So you kind of like are this like mixture of it all um, yeah. because you do like that high end photography, like wedding photography. Um, but you're also like a Leica film photographer. You, you kind of like fit the bill for like, like film photography, but yeah, wedding photography is cool if you do it like Ben's, you know what I'm saying? So mm. tell me, tell me kind of how you, how you got to where you are now. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, as you were kind of saying, like, you kind of do a lot of things. I think that's sort of my thing, uh, for sure. I've always been dipping my toes in too many different buckets. Uh, like, be before we started out this podcast, too, or this streamcast, or whatever the heck we're calling this, um, we were both talking about music, and I was, you know, we're showing each other our guitars and stuff like that, and I'm looking at, like, my five different guitars on the wall and my other one over here and thinking back to, like, my bass guitar and my drum set, and, like, I was watching a video about this keyboard that I wanted to buy this morning, and I don't even really play keyboard much, and, like, uh, that's just always kind of how I've I've been in all the things. Uh, I'm just wanting to be a person that tries a lot of different things and uh, just kind of figure out kind of what sticks in that kind of thing. And I like to be, this is going to sound bad. Uh, I like to be good at a lot of different things. Um, but I don't necessarily need to be like the best at anything, sure. if that makes sure. sense. Um, yeah. And so because of that, I've, I've 
tried lots and lots and lots of different things. Um, and wedding photography specifically just kind of hit and stuck. Um, and I was just fell on it like completely randomly was not trying to become a wedding photographer by any means. Um, and just kind of like fell into shooting one and then somebody else asked me to shoot another one and another one and another one. Um, and then kind of a few years in to that whole thing, I was just realizing that all of my summers were spent doing something that was the exact opposite of what I'd done during the summer, my entire rest of my life, which was go camping, be in the mountains and, and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, because I started doing weddings, I was in ballrooms and at golf courses and, uh, in downtown Seattle and, now there's anything wrong with that. I still even shoot weddings in those things. It's not a big deal to me. Uh, but I was realizing, man, there's probably a big subset of people out here that like to do things that aren't that. Like that, all my friends are out camping, and I'm assuming there's a bunch of people that, you know, when my friends get married, maybe they would want to do something like that. So I sort of started to push into trying to get my clients that were getting married at maybe a more traditional location to maybe like go do portraits at like a cooler spot and. Um, push people to do portraits outside and then that kind of thing. Um, and then specifically kind of in 2013, uh, as I was kind of in the middle of this push to like change kind of my style and stuff like that, and maybe try to push things into a different direction. Uh, a friend of mine who was officiating this elopement um, just kind of recommended me and said, Hey, Ben, like my friend Ben, just trying to do the same thing. Or you guys are kind of like mutual acquaintances. Maybe you should hire him. Um, so a friend of mine and I, and then my other friend was the officiant for this elopement, uh, back in 2013 that kind of like blew up. It was like one of the, it was the most popular wedding of the year on this blog called green wedding shoes. Um, and it was like one of the most popular weddings on like Instagram and Pinterest and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was this outdoor elopement, just two people in the middle of the woods. They hiked up to this viewpoint at the end. Um, and to my knowledge, for the most part, in the mainstream that had never really been done before. Um, yeah, yeah. And especially it was like sort of earlier on when Instagram was really picking up steam and stuff like that. And so it got popular on Instagram. Um, and so, so that kind of like became a little bit more of something that I'd been trying to work towards anyway, and then became a thing. And then I got kind of known for that. Um, thankfully, obviously, because now I get to do way more of that kind of stuff. Um, but also sort of because of that, I was, you know, shooting DSLRs um, and, um, we were talking about guitars earlier too, and how like my favorite guitar is this guitar from 1960. Um, so I've always kind of been into that like vintage aesthetic and stuff like that too. And um, I don't know if you can see it behind me, but my uncle um, had a Hasselblad growing up, um, yeah. and my dad, I think, I think I have both their cameras, yeah. So I have a, a Hasselblad over there, and then my dad's Nikon F2 back there. Um, and so I grew up with these kind of like cool looking cameras around me and um, was always kind of just knowing that those cameras existed. And so when I started getting into photography, my uncle let me borrow his Hasselblad and my dad let me borrow his Nikon F2. And so I kind of started doing a little bit of film on the side. And then I was realizing, especially early on in like, you know, 2008, 2009, um, digital technology was moving. It was cool. You could have like the 5D and stuff like that. But um, yeah. the files and stuff like that just didn't look nearly as good as what you would get when you shot film and got that stuff back. And so I feel like I was, I've always been interested in film and specifically like, as I just remember seeing like as, as a kid, even, and just being like, those cameras look so cool. Yeah. Um, and so sort of because of, of all that kind of stuff, I started shooting more film and that, that sort of has become like the anchor point for what my digital work looks like, because as a wedding photographer, shooting thousands of images, it makes it more difficult for me as a run and gun kind of photographer to shoot a ton of film uh, at weddings specifically, because I'm usually shooting solo. Um, but then sort of because of that and shooting film and stuff like that, I ended up just doing all these elopements with these big five D's and was like, man, I want to use something that I can hike five, 10 miles with that doesn't feel huge and bulky. And especially at the time, uh, I think the Fuji X pro one was out. Um, that was like the mirrorless yeah. camera that was available. And those are super cool. And stuff like that, but in comparison to a five D Mark three at the time was just like, they, the quality level wasn't to the same par for me at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the, the other option was to buy like a Leica M nine, which at the time was super, super expensive, but that's kind of the thing that kind of like made me go in that direction. I bought a Leica M two and then started shooting that thing. And, 
um, have fallen into it. And then specifically with how I photograph things, um, I'm like really, um, I often shoot in like really dark forests and stuff like that. Um, so I have to, you know, shoot and especially on shooting film, uh, I have to shoot at slightly sh slower shutter speeds. And my clients are often kind of far away because a big thing for me, uh, is to like show the surroundings and the breadth of um, kind of what's right. going on and stuff like that. Um, and so I just found that focusing specifically with a rangefinder too in that and lining those two things up made it really, really easy for me to, um, yeah, I was just missing focus way less often. They were smaller. Yeah. Um, they kind of just fit my general aesthetic and stuff better. And so that's kind of like how the, the Leica thing specifically came to be too. So I've been shooting... Uh, with Leica cameras, the Leica M240s specifically for the last three years, um, maybe four wow. years, three or four years. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of a bizarre thing. And then I have a Leica M6 and a Leica M2 and a slew of lenses. And <laughs> Yeah. Do you, do you get funny looks when you show up at weddings now and you're not carrying like a huge Canon 5D or do you get funny looks for that? Um, yeah. So the thing is, here's one of them. Um, so like the Leica m240 i've even like blacked out you know like it doesn't say m on it i blocked out the like a lettering um and so it's just like my my kind of goal with it was to be like a sort of like anonymous box that i'm taking photos with and then like people who are in the know would be like oh is that like one of those new fuji cameras or like oh my gosh it's a leica like what do you who shoots a leica at a wedding you know um, yeah, exactly and so I spent most of the beginning of my career trying to get people to take me more seriously, right? Like, especially because I started when I was 22, 21, 22, um, you know, and I'm like walking around with these big cameras. I'm slapping battery grips on everything. I'm trying to like shoot with a 70 to 200 because I just want people so badly to take me seriously because I'm a young kid and uh, all this kind of stuff. And now I'm the exact opposite. I like want people to take me less seriously, right? Yeah, interesting. Um, so because like my style is also like, you know, like as are known for that, like documentary um, kind of type of photographer. And so as a wedding photographer, it makes a lot of sense because something like this is so small and sort of discreet and pulling this up to your face. Like, I don't know, yeah. I, the, the analogy I came up with a few years ago that I feel like kind of fits is like, I just want to be the guy at a wedding that just seems like their weird art friend from college. Like, oh, who's this guy? Like, this guy's like walking around with these weird art cameras and like whatever, you know, like we don't have to like, because if you if you show up and uh, someone has like, you know, a big DSLR with a battery grip and like a huge lens and stuff like that, like it's intimidating to have your photo taken by someone like that. Um, yeah. But there's a guy walking around with this tiny like little leather strap that like is popping around these tiny little cameras with these little lenses. And you, it's like, does, did he get that from the 60s? Like, what's what's the deal with that? I right. feel like generally that's going to be less of a, an issue, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, I've, I've actually, and for people listening, I, I picked this thing up, uh, a few months ago. It's uh, it's an MP blacked out MP and it's just like, yes, it's like, it's the prettiest. So good. Yeah. It's the prettiest thing I've ever seen. And I feel like this podcast has totally just become like a Leica enthusiast podcast <laughs> because, because like somehow, somehow, like I, I was talking to Dan Rubin uh, last week mm, nice. and like, we just talked about Leicas for 15 minutes, like, and how yeah. like, they really are among like the best cameras. And, you know, I've used Fuji's I've used, I've used a lot of cameras and for my, all my commercial work, I'm actually using Sony. And, and the reason I asked about, do you get funny looks is because I, you know, Sony's are small as well. Yeah. And I, I, I pop a, uh, one of those Loxia lenses on it, the Zeiss Loxia, mm -hmm. and yep. it makes it a really small like package. Totally. And so like I get like clients are like, wait, you're doing this with that? Because like they just they have an expectation totally. of like you know like if you're a professional, that must mean you're using like huge tools. Totally. But I think yep. I think it's I think it's awesome if you can like make you know and and like it even more so because like is just simple like it it does it does very few things you know. Um, yeah. For and sure. So, and, you know, that's a lot of people's hesitation with getting them. It's like, well, I'm not going to pay thousands of dollars for a camera yeah. that doesn't, but it's like, you're missing the point. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, totally. This is, this is not just a, you know, a do all, you know, Sony thing. This is like, yeah. it, it's, it's about the the craftsmanship and like the work and just like the way they feel in your hands. I mean, like, I, I can't really, I can't really justify it any more than that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, it's something that I really love shooting with. 
like i mean i on youtube i have like a gear channel because i just love nerding out about gear and stuff like that um but i've yeah. i've always kind of said to myself like okay this this thing is like photography is making me like a decent living better than i thought i was going to make in whatever the heck else i was going to be doing in my life um and so i just see a lot of people get burned out and not end up liking photography anymore and like they're just doing it like they're flipping burgers or something you know it's like not right right passionate thing and so like i just happen to like things that are kind of expensive and whatever but um if i'm inspired to use that piece of gear or whatever and that particular thing is going to help me like i own a, a, a 50 like a like a 50 sumo lux spherical like it's like a four thousand dollar lens or whatever i bought it for way yeah. less because you can do that um right but is it so much better than the canon it's probably not even as good as the new canon rf 50l who knows like yeah i don't know maybe it is maybe it isn't um but it inspires me to use it more uh, yeah. and I really love the look and, and it's a joy to pick up and use and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I feel like there's something to be said about like individuality and, um, like, I don't know a lot of other wedding photographers in my sphere, especially, I don't think there's any really, well, there's a few, but there's not a lot of people that are shooting with that lens. Right. Um, right. there's not a lot of other people doing the things I'm doing. And so whether that gives me an advantage or not, at least, sets a little bit of a okay well this guy does things a little bit different and uh yeah you know totally, for people that totally. want something and someone that's doing things a little bit differently uh especially in my space that um my space especially in the place that i'm in, <laughs> in photography uh where you know my couples are often other photographers or they work in some sort of marketing or media or most people have like a decent like I could probably quiz most of my clients and they would be able to tell you about Aperture and, and stuff like that, just because that's kind of yeah. the nature of it. Um, and so doing something a little bit different for people who are most likely, especially with elopements and things, thinking a little bit differently, um, I feel like it just kind of like fits fits in with that, you know? Yeah. So you live in Tacoma, Washington, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, I drove my wife and I, we vacationed last year. Um just us without, without any children in, uh, in Portland. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, we had some good friends in, uh, in Washington and they, they, I think they were in a Pullman maybe or Spokane. They were in Spokane and they basically met us in Seattle and, uh, we spent like the day with them in Seattle. And I remember the worst traffic I have ever been in in my entire life was on the way from Seattle back to Portland that night. Yeah. It was like rush hour traffic. And dude, like it was unbelievable. Probably took so, you like six hours to take like a three hour trip. Yeah. Yeah, it took a long time. Anyway, beautiful landscape, you know. And so I would I would imagine that there are, you know, many wedding photographers kind of in this area. So like re like back back up like, you know, several years. How did you kind of gain that confidence to just jump into that? And uh, you know, was it was it people giving you affirmation? Was it just like jobs started falling in your lap? Like, how did you kind of gain that confidence to go, go all into this? Yeah, um, so I started, I, I did my first wedding in 2007. So um, yeah. it was quite quite a while ago. Um, yeah. So that's like, uh, yeah, about now, actually. It was May of 2007. So that's like 13 years. Um, wow. So especially at the time, like wedding photography was like a joke to people, you know? Like, yeah. Um, and me as like a 20, I think I was 21, whatever that would be. Um, it just like, I was, someone offered to pay me $500 to take photos at this wedding. And I told them that I'd never been to a wedding before other than like, I was a ring bearer in my uncle's wedding when I was two or three or something. Like, you don't want me to go to this. Like, you don't want me to take pictures. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't even know what a wedding is like. Um, and their whole thing was just like, anything's better than nothing. Like if you don't take photos, we won't have any. So, um, yeah. and I had a rebel at the time, like a Canon rebel XTI. Um, yeah. and yeah, so I had, I had that. And then, um, that's like how much I paid for that camera. So I was like, oh, well, cool. Someone's going to pay me, pay off my camera basically, or, uh, to have me take photos for one day. Sure. I'll do that. Yeah. Um, and so I used that money to like buy a Canon 20D. So I had two cameras and like another lens and stuff. And then 
someone else saw those photos and then they offered me more money. And then someone else saw those photos from one of those two other ones. They offered me more money again. Um, and so, I mean, I was in college and I was working uh, part-time at a church doing music stuff. And um, so soon I was obviously making more money doing wedding photography than I was working at this church. Um, and I was still in school and whatever. And so, yeah, it was one of those, like, I didn't really have to take a bunch of leaps. Everything just kind of like, it was just a slow, just do whatever. It, like weddings are coming in randomly. I'm not like, I, I get, I mean, I try, I would like made a website and stuff like that, but I wasn't like going to bridal shows or <laughs> anything like right. that. It was just, like, right. Stuff was happening and people were liking what I was doing and people were generally like offering me more money. Um, and so it wasn't until um, about two years later that I was like, yeah, I should probably think about making something out of this because it's making me, it's making me without really trying as much as I was planning on making working at this church job. <laughs> so, right, right. It, so, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, at, at different times, obviously I've, I've been doing it full time and it's been my full time gig for a, a good decade now, but um yeah, there wasn't. There was definitely not like a. I'm leaving my other job. I'm taking this big risk. Um, I mean, luckily for me, I was doing it like when I was. I started when I was still living at my parents' house. Like, right, um, right, right. So yeah, yeah. I've got friends like that, you know. And I, w I would still consider myself on like the fortunate side of things because I got. I mean, I've got. I've got a filmmaking friend uh, who, like, got fired from a job and like had no choice but to like pull himself up, you know, by his bootstraps yeah. and just like this is what I'm doing now. I have no other, I have no other options. And, uh, you know, now thankfully he's doing well, but man, I, I was kind of in a situation to where I went from like barista to like working at a marketing job, working at another marketing job for anybody listening, considering a marketing job, don't do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm joking. It, it might be a good decision for you, but man, it was really tough for me. And, uh, after a marketing job, I did a, uh, I worked for this, like, uh, I don't know what to call it. Just like this, uh, chic furniture company and like i just I, all i did was take photos on like a white backdrop of like like armoires and like tables and like it was just it was just like kind of monotonous and i worked in a hot warehouse all throughout the summer with a like a hot camera and it was, it was just not enjoyable and so i'm like man i have gotta get out of here so um and don't get me wrong there's people i worked with are incredibly kind and generous to me over the years and gracious especially because i was not a good employee um I would have fired my own self, but, 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 um, I just remember, you know, I had the luxury of being able to slowly, gradually make my way. I was building clients. I was, you know, I had some retainers kind of say, yeah, we'll, we'll hire you for a year to, you know, do X amount of things for us and we'll pay you so much a month. And so I was very fortunate to be able to go out gradually, but man, like I know, I know like people who do take those risks and like your heart just goes out to them. Cause man, that is, especially if they have a family, like that is yeah. really tough to do. Um, totally. And, but, but, I, but I would imagine, you know, my heart also goes out to the people who don't have the courage to take that risk and to who stay in like a job that they hate for a decade or two. Yeah. And by the time they jump out, like it's not, it, it might be too late or like they missed a lot of opportunities. And, you know, I believe in, I believe in Providence. So like, I believe time is, you know, time is whatever it is. And so it's, it's kind of like, if you do it when you're 40, well, that was just meant to be. And so, um, but still like you wonder, like for those people who are just like sitting around, not taking the risk because they don't have that confidence. And that's why I ask you about the confidence. Just sure. It takes that to jump out like that, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I've had a ton of, I think like two of the things that would most describe my internal monologue on a lot of things, uh, of things I aspire to be are like, loyal and responsible um and so that i mean goes into being sort of timid in in taking those risks and things like that because um if you're loyal to something you're most likely not going to leave what you're doing to pursue something else and then um in also being responsible you're going to make sure that every single thing is being lined up to make sure that when you take that risk it's as calculated as possible so you're not losing right. out on something and so even in in doing this, um, as a photographer, you know, I've before doing anything, most of the things that I've done have been very calculated and like, I'm not going to take this next step until I know that this is going to work out or pay off. Or if it doesn't work out or pay off, then, 
you know, I still have like a backup plan and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I feel like there's definitely been a ton of times where that has like hurt me in, in my career and life and opportunities that I haven't taken or not pursued or, or whatever. But then, um, in times like this, where things are tougher, you know, like thankfully we have savings and, um, I haven't, you know, been out on a limb on something because I was hoping something specifically would pay off. Um, yeah. so there's definitely big pros and cons, but, um, obviously right now I'm feeling very thankful to be fairly conservative in my business dealings so that uh, I float into next year, uh, with the minimal income I'm going to have in comparison to what I was scheduled to make and be okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, man. It's just like a, it's just one of those things to where you just have to consider, you know, those kinds of things, hopefully before uh, surprises like this strike, you know? Um, and that, that's the benefit of being a business person and a creative, you know, like you don't, if you're a photographer or graphic designer or whatever you do, you know, you have to understand if you're going to, if you're going to go out on your own, like you've got to be a business person. Like you've got to be someone who, who thinks ahead. You've got to be someone who like, cause for the longest time, dude, I was, I was like terrified of QuickBooks. I was terrified of, of talking to an accountant. I was terrified of, uh, you know, getting legal advice and, you know, just, just those things are, are things that you don't think about having to do whenever you're sitting in your dorm room and you're like, man, I want to be a photographer. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You, know, you just don't think about those things. And so you have to kind of gain that, um, confidence that like, man, everyone at some point is brand new at this, Absolutely. you know, and, and you've just got to figure it out as you go. Dude, I tell people all the time because people ask me, you know, hey, I'm, I'm like, I really want to do what you do. Like, I want to be a photographer. I'm going to college. Like, what photography classes should I take? And I'm like, you should take business and marketing classes because yes. <laughs> you need to know so much more. Like, because if you have that, if that part is hard for you, like that part is hard for me, the business and marketing and all that stuff, that part doesn't come naturally. Right. doing creative things and taking photos and stuff like that. Like I learned all that kind of stuff on my own. Um, but I wish I would have, you know, in retrospect taken classes and forced myself into like majors that, you know, would have been difficult for me to do, but incredibly beneficial into how I run my business because anybody that's yeah. ever run a photography business knows that, you know, 20% at the very, very, very most is you actually taking pictures um, totally. and 80% of it is all of the other backend stuff and marketing and client management and just all these yeah. things that are just the least sexy part of this job that looks cool from the outside because you get to post your work and everything like that. But, um, and I just see so many incredible photographers that just can't make it work as a business person. Uh, and then without sounding bad, but frankly, like there are a lot of photographers that aren't that skilled at photography but they charge more money than i do and they have much more successful businesses than i do because they're just really good good business people you know what i mean i mean that's the story of like i mean dude like i can't there there are you know and i say this like i, I i've calculated this like there are probably less than five commercial photographers in my whole state i live in mississippi like five less than five like commercial photographers that are pursuing commercial photography and doing work that's worth hiring. Sure. And I would consider myself somebody in that. But there's like 10 million, like literally probably more than the population of Mississippi, there's like 10 million wedding photographers. Yeah. You know, and, and it's interesting like that they're all like doing so well, it seems, you know, they are they're all like buying houses and like, you know, doing this, this and that. And it's it's amazing because you're right. Like Wedding photography is so much more about those, uh, not always, but it seems like the reason why like not so skilled people can progress in that is because they just like knew somebody that was just like, oh yeah, this, this, and that. And they just made those connections. But yeah, I mean, there are so many wedding photographers that are just rolling in the dough, but like, you're just, you're so confused. Like, like, you know, cause their work's not very pretty. And, uh, and I, I don't know, maybe people like, I just know when I got married five years ago and at that point I wasn't really pursuing photography. And so I hadn't seen, you know, your work. I hadn't seen like, uh, like I said, Jose Villa earlier, his, obviously his work's beautiful. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't know that this was a, a realm. I didn't know like yeah. people took this oh, seriously. It's so you know? funny. Yeah. And so like, we just hired like 
a guy that was, you know, a good photographer, but like, I, I wasn't really expecting anything out of it. Um, you know, yeah. and I, I wish we had calculated that more then and said like, no, let's like, let's hire Benj. <laughs> or like, <laughs> let's, let's, yeah, I was let's bring Mississippi Benj. or Missouri or whatever you said. <laughs> Mississippi, dude. Yeah. Dude. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So I, I would imagine, you know, that's probably a lot of that is just like people just kind of get jobs for that. And then you see that in the commercial world too, like, like not great photographers doing jobs for like huge sure. companies. And you're like, how the heck did they get that? You know? Yeah. Oh, like yeah. connections huge and like personality ends up being such a huge part of it. Um, and yeah. so there's, there are tons of people and I don't like, this is not like a bad thing about them, but like they, so many people hire them just because they are such a good person to be around, you know, and you want someone like that on your wedding day and like their work is fine, but they're charging like crazy amounts of money, but it's because it trust is such a big thing in that industry and knowing that someone's going to like have your back and like all this stuff, you know, it's just such a different thing. And the, the interesting thing about all that too, is that we always, you know, tons of my friends and I always talk about how like weddings are just like recession proof. Like people are always totally. going to get married. Um, totally. they're, they're recession by bad economic decision proof, not, yeah pandemic proof unfortunately <laughs> right totally yeah you can't think of everything can you yeah um, crazy so earlier you mentioned you talked about um burnout and you you mentioned like that like using uh like a bodies inspire you um and they kind of help avoid a lot of that burnout and i always kind of relate that to like woodworking um i'm not sure if you ever mess with woodworking or not but like you have a lot of options for tools like you can go to like home, home depot or whatever and you know buy any woodworking Thing, or you can like grab those like your grandfather's like hand tools yeah. and like there's something inspiring about the hand tools yeah. that your grandfather or someone's grandfather has used and like they've been used for hundreds and hundreds of years. Talk to me about um, burnout and how, you know, have you experienced burnout and what was that like for you and kind of how you found your way out? Because I mean, shooting weddings, I mean, a, a wedding, you know, there's only so many variations. Obviously the people are different, but ultimately you're going to have two people standing down a an aisle and they're looking at one another and there's an officiant and there's people a little like, you know, so talk to me about how you kind of either avoid burnout and how you've worked through it in the past. Totally. I mean, there's a, there's a kind of like a few ways that I've gone about that. And, and, um, because it is hard, especially like there's just a few really simple. If, so if you're a wedding photographer, maybe you do this and you're, you're fine or whatever, but um, I just made a few kind of simple rules and one of them being like, I'm not going to photograph the same venue two weeks in a row, you know, just like so that I have enough, you know, variety and stuff like that, that things feel a little bit fresh. Um, but also like in terms of weddings specifically and burning out from those, um, it was always a big change for me to try to make it not about the photographs and not about the aesthetics and trying to think way further and deeper than just like that initial moment. Um, and I think in doing that and trying to like make my brain work more on, oh, this is, this is going to sound good actually trying to make my brain work more on empathy than photography, um, mm -hmm. allowed me to like, you know, I could shoot the same venue two weeks in a row and then be like, no, these are completely different people with completely different stories, with completely different worldview right. and backgrounds and, and all that kind of stuff. And so trying as a, as a wedding photographer specifically to just be thinking way beyond just the images and um, that kind of stuff, because like my goal as a, as a photographer is that like all of these, you know, like apertures and shutter speeds and this little black box that I'm carrying around becomes like just an extension of who I am, just like a good guitar player isn't thinking through, you know, how, what overdrive setting they have their thing on or what tubes they put in their new amp or whatever. It's just like, once that stuff is all ready, you want that stuff to be second nature so that you can focus on the thing that you're actually doing. Um, and so for me, a lot of it is just a constant reminder of like, I'm not doing this as a wedding photographer to make pretty things to put on my social media or my blog or whatever. I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to like essentially empathize with the people in them and try to put myself in those shoes as much as possible. And the longer right. that I kind of grow as a human, the the more that I've been able to see things better from other people's perspective. So 
as like dad's dancing with his daughter or whatever. Like I'm thinking about like if I had a daughter at some point um, or, you know, just all those kind of things. I'm trying to like see those things as those people are seeing them so that I can think of how important those photographs will be to the people in them as they view them later. You know what I mean? Um, and so that's been a huge shift for me in um, trying to, I don't know, just not be burned out by weddings specifically, um, which is, yeah, just seeing the the value of that thing and having something that I feel like is significant to the people viewing them in the long run that I'm not just like making photos to make photos. I'm making photos that will have hopefully massive you know, significance for decades to come. Um, and then, uh, you know, in shooting other cameras and stuff like that, nerdy specifically like that, uh, I find that um, being really limited by my gear and what it is, like you know, Leica is not, it's a, it's a photo taking machine, but not like a Sony or like a face tracking Canon does, you know, like that they take a lot of the, thinking out of it because just cameras are just, they have computers in them and they're really, really smart. Um, and so as you kind of strip that stuff out a little bit is what, is what a Leica is. It forces you to, you know, think more and um, be right. more cognizant of all your settings and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I, you know, stopped shooting with zoom lenses. And part of that was me just memorizing what every single focal length was. So before I pull a 35 up to my face, I already know what a 35 looks like. Um, right. And then kind of those limitations in there are what spawn the creativity to make that those gear choices you've made work for whatever different thing you have. Um, and then yeah. for me also, I just I just love shooting different cameras and stuff. So most weddings, I will bring some sort of other auxiliary camera, whether it's like a Hasselblad or the Rolly Flex or um, I have like a Mumia 645 and um you know, just like a bunch of, I, sometimes I, I've shot a couple weddings with just like a point and shoot around my neck too, and, and shot like five or six rolls just on a point and shoot. Um, yeah. and having those kind of options and, and stuff like that, uh, again, like breeds more creativity and makes me think a different way. And so that kind of thing in continuing to love photography has been super helpful, right? And like helping me not burn yeah. out. Um, and it's not always just a gear thing, but I just love taking a little point and shoot around and taking photos of my kid and stuff like that. Um, I'm just 12, 13 years in, I still just love photography. Yeah. That's, I love what you said, especially as it pertains to like empathy. Um, and like the thinking about, um, you know, it really is amazing. Like the way you avoid burnout is you continue to make your work about people Absolutely. and yeah. you don't, you don't make it about yourself. You don't make it about getting the next best Instagram post or, whatever it might be. Um, but I am curious whenever you are looking for inspiration or like, you know, I like to look at photo books. I like to look at, um, different documentaries or whatever it might be. Do you look at wedding photography? Like, is that something that you enjoy looking at or are you kind of looking at other realms of photography to kind of inspire you with weddings? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say I'm, I'm in a similar realm. My, personality is is negative in this way that if i look at too much other wedding photography specifically it stops being aspirational and starts being like detrimental because then i'm comparing myself to what other people are putting out there or whatever um right and so uh, probably six or seven years ago someone told me about the quote um well what is it i can't even remember what it is now but it's based, oh comparison is the thief of joy so right a lot of it is just going like, if if you're inspired by something and it is inspiring and helpful for you, like, you know, it's totally cool to look at other wedding photographers or whatever realm you're in. Uh, but if it's sucking the joy out of you, then like, you probably should unfollow those people or whatever. Um, so most of the people that I still follow on Instagram are just like my friends um, that are wedding photographers that I just want to be like, yeah, support your work. I love you. And uh, yeah, you know, and I'm still like inspired by it. Right. But it's not that I'm like aspirationally going like, Oh, I wish I could be like this person someday. Um, and there's good and bad parts to that. And I've been in times where that's really helpful and other times where that's more detrimental. Um, yeah. but same thing, like I'm, you know, I've like love looking at photo books and, um, oftentimes it's more of just like watching a good movie and watching how they frame things and watching how they, they, you know, 
uh, scene block things and how they transition things. Cause I'm also trying to think of it as a photographer, you know, how can I document and tell this whole story like a filmmaker would. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm getting transition images and details and all these other things that when I put the collection together, it'll be a big, nice, cohesive thing. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking really critically about all those different kind of things too. Um, but yeah, I definitely get really inspired by that. And then also just like one of my favorite things to do, which I, unfortunately I haven't really been able to do much lately is just like put on some good music, go drive through the mountains, go take a hike, whatever. And then seeing all that stuff. And specifically, you know, we talked about it a few times, like with our backgrounds in music, um, sort of combining those visuals. I, I remember I always used to like be walking around or in a cool place and then like, I would listen to music and I'd pretend I was in that music video, you know, or whatever, because it's just like, that's the kind of stuff can be inspiring for sure. So yeah. um, I'm the kind of person that like my, I always have like background music going in my brain, whether I'm actually listening to anything or not, there's always like a drum loop or something that's going yeah. on that's stuck in my head. So yeah. Uh, yeah. My wife, my wife off, often like in the sweetest, kindest way, like will like, scold me for because i'm constantly beating on things and like making yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like i can't i can't not do that <laughs> uh that's awesome man this is this is awesome uh i am curious what is your relationship like uh like with other photographers like you know i've always noticed something about you you know with you know you released your presets and you know I, you just released new ones too didn't you and so yeah, almost, uh, uh, almost a year ago actually i think it was june of uh, last year yeah but yeah. So you've always kind of had like a community approach and, you know, obviously you and I don't know each other from like, we didn't grow up sure. together or anything, yeah. but, but, you know, you've always been like a resource and someone like, you know, I've reached out to over the years, like a, a couple of years ago, I reached out to you about, Hey, I'm thinking about buying this, like an M at the two six two and ended up buying it, you know? Um, and it was a great fit for me at the time. And so I'm kind of curious, like, what is like your philosophy with that? Like you're so easy to talk to You're you know, a lot of photographers with, you know, not to be super vain here, but with photographers with like your following or uh, your sense of, you know, uh, popularity or whatever you want to call it, you know, a lot of times they can be more reserved about that kind of information. And so I'm just curious to know, like, what is kind of like your idea for that? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, there's a few sort of things about that. I think I, I started... Um, and I remember when I was starting out, there were, this is going to sound weird for me to say, right. But when I was starting out, there were a few like local photographers that I sort of like idolized. Um, and I remember when one specifically was like walking through my college with his wife at the time. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's like this guy. And I was so like, start, like I'd, I've like met actual real, like I met Paul McCartney that same year. And I wasn't like as starstruck as I was when I watched this photographer walk by that no one else in that entire campus would have known who he was. Um, but I was like, I wanted to go say hi so bad, but I could, I was like frozen. I couldn't even get up to go talk to him. Right. Um, and so I just remember when I was starting out being like that, um, and especially when you're starting out needing resources and not knowing all these things and, and all that kind of stuff. And luckily I was part of a couple Flickr groups back in the day where we sort of like all were growing in a similar way together and bouncing ideas off each other. And, um, I was, I've always sort of been on the mindset of like, you know, if I'm gaining valuable information out of something or someone or whatever, like I want to be able to do that same thing back for other people as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, it's always just been a big part of me learning is like being part of these groups and contributing and, and, and getting contributions from other people and so with that, trying to be one that also contributes back into that. Um, mm. And then even with like um, this, like I have a YouTube channel now and it's mostly talking about Leica gear and film stuff and whatever. Um, and for me, it was a lot of it was just the fact that like I was spending so much time researching all this gear that I now own or whatever on YouTube. And there was a bunch of questions and things that I was not able to get answered. And so once I got that stuff, I was like, oh, well, now I have those answers for those things. Maybe I should just start making videos that will help other people learn the same, you know, answer the same questions that I was trying to answer, get answered yeah. by those videos that didn't exist. Right. Um, right. And so, yeah, it's been it's always been a big part of that. And then uh, 
a few, I was like really hesitant to like do any education stuff, but um, there was a few years where people were asking me like, Hey, will you, would you want to speak at this conference? Or do you want to do this presentation thing? And I was like, no, no, no. Like I'm not good at that kind of stuff. Um, but then I finally like said yes and did one as like sort of a personal challenge. And then someone else, it's the same thing that happened with wedding photography specifically. Someone was at that event that they themselves were putting on another event in Australia later that year. So they offered like to have me go out to Australia to speak at their event. And then um, it just all kind of snowballed in a really similar way that my wedding photography stuff kind of did. Um, hmm. So sort of through that, like I, um, you know, started doing mentor sessions one-on-one uh, -on -one with photographers. And then those became so overwhelming because I was getting so many of them that I did workshops in person. And then, um, yeah, it kind of just like continued to like be a, a something that people wanted. And then, so I just kept doing it. And now uh, one of the things I'm trying to lean into right now is Patreon um, so that it's, it's only like a $10 a month thing. Um, and I can make videos that are more specific to photographers about kind of my flow with that is like my YouTube stuff is like, what is the gear, you know, and talk about that kind of stuff, show what's possible and stuff like that. And then this Patreon thing that I just started a couple months ago is more about like, how specifically do I use that? And then also like, why do I use it and all that kind of stuff. So it all kind of flows through that whole thing. And um, yeah, kind of just randomly started sort of happening, but it also was just because I was being, you know, plugged into other people that were giving me really good information. So I wanted to give back and then it just kind of kept rolling that way, you yeah. know? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. A lot of the photographers who are like, like I think of like the art strivers and I've mentioned him on this podcast before art striver is one of my favorite photographers. Um, and he started, I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he does a lot of like Hollywood um, work. He shoots a lot of celebrities and, you know, a lot of times that realm of photographers they're very like closed in. They've got so much competition like everywhere and you don't really hear a lot from them. But like, like I think like a few years ago, like art, art started posting like behind the scenes photos on his Instagram and he's shooting like, I mean, dude, like A-list celebrities and he's shooting like the behind the scenes of like these shots with them. And like, he's answering questions in the comments and like, he's oh, yeah. super, he's super accessible. And it's, I think it's like this kind of, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a turning of events, but I think as I have um, grown in my own craft, what I've noticed is that the people who are more uh, accessible and approachable and humble, honestly, are, are the ones that really just like stick out the most to me. Yeah. And, you know, you know, because obviously, like, and this is no hate towards anybody, like sometimes people just don't check their DMs. No big deal. Um, yeah. But, but, but like, but like a lot of, a lot of, yeah, totally. And that's no big deal. You checked this DM, so that's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but I think I've just been, you know, the, the photographers that inspire me the most are the ones who are the ones who give back. You know, like uh, I watched the uh, Joel Merowitz uh, Magnum Photography, I think is what it was, his workshop. Mm. And dude, talk about a guy who gives back. I mean, talk about a guy who like talks about his craft. He's, a, he's an open book. Um, and like someone like that, like, dude, that guy's a legend, you know? Oh, yeah. And, you know, he, he doesn't conceal those things. Or, like, I think, like, a Fr Frank Oakenfellows III. Like, that dude's an open book. And that dude is, like, weird, weirdly, like, artistic and, like, like photographed, you know, David Bowie. Like, like serious, serious level people. And I think I've just been so inspired by people like that. So um, I'm sure everyone would love to say thanks for being such an open book for us. So. Oh, geez. Um, well, I think, I think what I'll say about that, too, specifically in the wedding photography community, we have just a weird thing that like if i'm booked for july 25th like i can't take any other bookings for july 25th right and that's the same for everybody else and so there's been years i think there was a year like four years in where i was like a fifth of the way booked through my season in like may and that's when like things are kicking up and i'm going oh i need to maybe start thinking about getting another job you know so I reached out to a bunch of photographers in my area and said, hey, for whatever reason, like, I'm, I don't know what happened, but I didn't book enough stuff this year. If you have any, you know, open dates that you're available, for, or you're not available for or whatever, if you'd send them my way, that would be greatly appreciated. And I went from yeah. having like, I think I had like seven or eight weddings in May to having almost 30. Um, <laughs> and I, I had a full season uh, that that other friends of mine just sent work to me because they were already booked and it didn't like 
take them anything other than an email to just say like, Hey, yeah, right. my, I'm, I'm booked. My friend Benj is available. You know, you should check out his work. Here's his website. Um, and so that's just kind of how it's always been. Like we've always, especially in Seattle specifically, we've been able to like pass, you know, bookings back and forth. And, and we have like, especially here, we have a really, really good community with that whole thing, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And finding that community is what takes time, you know, like, mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, in Jackson where I am, like there's this very, there's a small community of photographers, right? And so you really have to learn to um, find those people because it could just be one other person. And that's kind of how it is for me, honestly, like one or two other people who are kind of in this uh, industry that I've really clicked well with and, you know, have no animosity or any type of like problems with anybody, but it's, but there's just a level of like, you've got to find those people that, you know, are help are helpful and also like beneficial and uh, they build you up and things like that. And you stick with those people, you know? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you support them. You know, I can't tell you how many people like I send, you know, if I get an inquiry, uh, a job inquiry, you know, I'm, I, I try to be like one of the first people to like, Hey, no, but this person's really good. Yeah. You reach out, reach out to this person. I try to be like that with a lot of that stuff, you know, commercial work is usually not so concrete. Like, Weddings, you know, it's like there's one day, there's one day out of 365 days oh. that people are going and there's no changing. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, but man, so tell uh, one last question. And it, of course, it has to involve your Leica. So, what's like the future with you and Leica? I mean, you know, are you thinking about moving to the M10? Are you thinking about sticking with what's kind of the future for you? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I've been photographing with the M240 for like four years um, or so. I should probably have figured that out before this podcast because I knew it was probably going to come up at some point. But um, yeah. So so the thing that's hard about this camera specifically, and thankfully I actually have one right in front of me, um, is that the low light performance for weddings isn't like that great. And so um, that is like my biggest downfall of this entire thing. Like if I could get better low light performance just out of this, I would just keep it. But um, yeah, there's often times where I'm shooting this thing at like 28 mil at like one, one 24th of a second or not one, one 24th, one 24th of a second or like one 30th of a second, like just yeah. take a deep breath, click. <laughs> and thankfully with wedding stuff, like they're all, you know, like at the times that I have to do that is usually like a speech or something like that where there's not movement anyway. Um, but yeah, so my original plan for this year was to sell the M240s and then buy two M10s just so I had a little bit better low light performance um, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then was also going to buy a GFX um, just to have that, you know, medium format goodness. Yeah, heck yeah. But with uh, everything that's going on, uh, I'm sticking with these bad boys until yeah. something else changes. So uh they they work for sure, but you, once you're pushing past like 1600 ISO on these guys, they get pretty grainy. Um, where other cameras, you know, wouldn't be nearly as grainy. I'm usually kind of okay with it because I'm also coming in from like a slight film background of going like, okay, well if I was shooting Delta 3200 or T Max 3200, like this would be super grainy too. Um, just the grain structure would be better because it's actual film. So it it yeah. like. It sort of is is really, I mean, it looks like a film camera. It takes the same lenses as my other film cameras, but uh, it also sort of has the max range of another film camera as well. <laughs> totally. So, so it kind of matches that whole that whole system really well. Um, and then I have an M6 and an M2. I would love to have an MP at some point because they're just beautiful. And Yeah, I do. They're, they're unbelievable. I, uh, it's one of those things I never want to get rid of, but I made a YouTube video about it. Uh, a couple months ago and I was like, eh, I'm going to keep this thing until uh, I have no money to pay my mortgage. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like one of those things like it, you know, there will always be somebody around, I guess, to buy it. But have you ever put a flash on one? Like I was, Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. I, I, I photograph an entire wedding day on that. So they don't yeah. sell it anymore. Uh, but I was using these Viltrox, like these tiny, oh, yeah. 30, they're tiny $30 flashes. Um, and they just like, they're super small. They're literally that big. And then, uh, the head on them will, will go up and then, you know, rotate down. They won't rotate, actually rotate. Exactly. It'll just go up and down so you can bounce off the ceiling. Right. Right. Um, which for what I do is usually pretty okay. Cause I'm usually using it just for dance flash stuff. And then sometimes randomly at like a, 
you know, cocktail hour inside or something where I'll do the bounce flash thing. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. there, I mean, it's a great little flash cause it just fits on that camera so well. And it's tiny that you use two double A batteries. Like it's just super mellow. Yeah. And you don't have to buy the expensive Leica ones and, you know, unless you just want to. Yeah. I've, I've, I mean, always, I've always bought one like seven times. Like I, like on the, on the Facebook groups or something, I'm like, Hey, uh, I might be interested in that, uh, that flash. And do not always back out. Cause I'm just like, yeah. oh, I, don't, I don't, I don't want to buy it. Like I don't want to pay for it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't shoot, I don't shoot a lot of flash with like a, you know, if I, if I bought one, it would be stylistic more than function. So yeah, less, less easy to uh, make that work. But um, so uh, tell me one last thing and tell me more about the YouTube channel. So where is that kind of going? How do you see that uh, fitting into your kind of like who you are? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the kind of idea behind it um was I, I just do weird things with weird gear that not as many people, like I'm not shooting everything with the EOS R or 5D Mark IV or Sony a7 III, you know, like the cameras that most people are photographing with. Um, and so because of that, like my stuff's a little more niche and that is the content that I have a hard time finding. So um, I have a bunch, I have a, a video on the like M2 and a video on the like M240 and a video on the Sumalux 50. Um, and then like, I have a video on Portrait 400 and it's like a bunch of videos that like some of them, like sure, there's other videos you can find out there, but others of them, like I did a video on the Voigtlander 21 F1.8 Ultron, um, yeah. which like who in the world shoots that lens? Like no one's really <laughs> searching for that lens, but like yeah. it's always interesting because if someone is searching for that lens, like hopefully my video is going to be really good. And thankfully, yeah. as a wedding photographer, um, I just have thousands of examples of whatever I'm doing. And so sort of the other thing about it was, um, and I'm going to really hope to not make anybody in the YouTube community angry, but I feel like a lot of people that review gear and stuff like that, they're really good at the technical being like, it weighs this much, it's this big, and it has eight elements and nine groups and all that kind of stuff. But then their like sample photos are either non-existent or it's like they just walked through their backyard and took photos of their flowers and their cat and whatever. And for me, like I'm a working photographer that takes hundreds of thousands of photos a year. And so I have a huge plethora of uh, examples of like what's possible or what's like a real world application of that lens. And so um, or that piece of gear or whatever it is. Um, And so I figured I just want to make the kind of video that... I would want to watch. So I'm going to talk about all the things that are like real world use to me and not really mention things that aren't necessarily of real world use to me. Um, and hopefully as a photographer that's been doing it for a long time, that my sample images and stuff like that are going to be good. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? I think that, yeah, dude, I think, that, I think you nailed it on the head. I mean, you know, for us and, you know, I say this and I hopefully don't make anybody mad, but you know, the whole world of like making film YouTube, you know, like where it's at today is just basically you walk around and you have like lo-fi, you have lo-fi beats playing in the background and you just like, you just share, you know, the images. And like, I think there's a place and time for that, but I think, you know, what I've tried to do with the channel over the last six months, we took a year off and uh, just to, I had another child and just job change and everything. Yeah. I think a lot of what we're trying to reconfigure is how to make it more about like the working everyday photographer. So someone who actually uses this gear, doesn't just like hoard it. Like, like I use yeah. a Pentax 7 for work, you know, totally. I use, I use um, my like a MP for work, you know? And so it's like, how do I use that for real work and like shooting food, shooting, uh, shooting uh, hotels and restaurants. Like there's a time and place to grab those kinds of shots. You know, a lot of the stuff I do is staged, but like, being able to use a six, seven and like do slow photography with food, do slow photography with, with whatever. And I think being able to show that is really valuable. Um, and I think it helps people. Uh, it actually helps people like that's the, that's the key. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And like there's, there's entertaining things about watching people walk around with the cameras that I want to buy and take photos of the old beat up trucks in their neighborhood. Like it's still fun to watch. Um, (laughs) But sometimes it's like, I don't know if I like learned anything, but so there's, there's always a difference between like, what's like aspirational content or inspirational content or like, 
you know, what's helpful content and what's just straight up like entertainment about this weird niche that like I happen to like. And so, I mean, I, I am also planning on if there wasn't all this lockdown stuff of doing a little bit more of that kind of stuff too and, and whatnot, because I find that process also entertaining. So again, I'm just trying to make a YouTube channel of a, of stuff that I would want to watch. So it's probably not a great marketing strategy, but it's what I'm doing. <laughs> no, I, th I think people will, will, I think people are latching on. Um, I've, I've heard from people firsthand that they're loving your videos. So that's great. So tell me, okay, before we go, where can people find you on the socials, all that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So my name is Ben Chaish, uh, B-E-N-J-H-A-I-S-C-H. And that is my handle on literally everything. So uh, I've never been someone to like have some other name for something other than when I was using AOL instant messenger or whatever back in the day. <laughs> uh, but literally everything, like even like my Xbox handle is like Ben Chaish and stuff. So, uh, if you want to type my name into like almost any thing then I will probably be there. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. You've just listened to the local analog podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to dive deep into the creative mind and heart to become better photographers in our skill and in our character. For more information, please go to our Instagram page at local analog. Thanks for listening. See you next time.